my favorite tip because it's the most counterintuitive thing that I teach. And it's the mantra that I live by when I go on an audition. Uh, and it's one that's hard for people to digest, but if you give it a little time, it becomes your best friend, and that's this. You're not getting the fucking job. That is Michael Kostroff, and I'm Lee Foster. You're listening to Action, the no-bullshit podcast dedicated to the pursuit of acting excellence. Well, Michael, thank you so much for being on this, uh, this podcast. It's certainly a pleasure. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I just want to uh, go down a couple of the projects that you've been in uh, on your IMDb. If anybody's interested, just look up Michael Kostroff on IMDb. It's a long list, but some of the big ones. Recurring role on Blacklist, The Good Wife, Damages, The Wire, which is a big favorite of mine and a lot of other people's. Um, you have one of the f- my favorite scenes in any movie, which is the liar liar scene. <laughs> That's just a golden scene, isn't it? It's so funny that like it always amazes me that people still remember me from that. I had no lines. I just yeah. sat at the table laughing. But why was that fun? Yeah. Okay. So King of Queens, Malcolm in the Middle, blah blah blah, on and on and on and on and on. So yeah. I'm going to get straight into some specific questions, if you don't mind. I will get into some specific answers. How's that? Excellent. So why do you like acting? You know, I saw the list of questions you were thinking of asking me, and none of them were easy. (laughs) These are hard questions to answer. Um, I love acting because I think primarily I love acting because it's in my DNA and it's what what I do. So when I'm doing it, I feel like things are right in the world. It's, It's like weird to say about such an unstable profession, but I feel like things are aligned when I'm doing it. And I think that anybody who sort of has what I call the calling has that sense of like, hmm, this is right. Uh, Beyond that, I I love trying to understand what makes people tick. I love getting to step into characters that are not me. I mean, I'm best known for a role on The Wire uh, who's really badass, which I am not. He's tough. He's... um, Ruthless. I'm none of those things. I am, you know, a big people pleaser and I get nervous and all these things. And I get to step into these characters that are very different. And so I love all of that. And I, um, I I love being able to provide an experience for people. That sounds like maybe a little too noble, but it's really cool when someone has watched something and they're like, oh, that was so, so neat or it moved me or it it made me laugh. And I, I feel like that's an incredible job to have. Yeah. Um, the next question I think I should ask you is, was there a tipping point in your career? I mean, I'm I'm assuming you started the way that we all kind of start, kind of just praying for an audition and working side jobs and working weird jobs. And then, and then was there a point where you said to, to yourself for the first time, this might actually work as a career? There are a lot of answers to that question. I mean, I, I think... The simplest answer is that uh, The Wire was a turning point because I think it gave me a visibility that I didn't have before. I'd been working. I'd been doing a guest star here and a guest star there or a co-star here or a co-star there. But when that role continued to come back, I mean, it was only supposed to be two episodes and they kept writing them in. I started to be recognized and casting people knew who I was a little more. So I think that was a bit of a tipping point. Um, I was a very late bloomer in my career, but sometime around my mid-30s, 
or, or maybe my late 30s, I was able to pay my bills with acting. And that's when I kind of went, oh, I might actually be good at this, this stuff. So that was, I think that was, I think that's probably the easiest answer. Um, in the other part of my career, my, my stage career, and I, I love doing theater and I love doing musical theater, I booked the first national tour of the producers and that was a big turning point because that was, I'd never been in a big Broadway level show before and I was suddenly touring the country and this huge hit musical. So those were sort of the two biggies. Yeah. So um, how many episodes, when you booked The Wire, how many episodes did they say it was going to be initially? One. One. And Okay. And then, um, and, then, and then they sort of let me know there was probably going to be a second one. Wow. And then yeah. it turned into how many? Well, I did five seasons on that show. I don't know how many episodes altogether. They just kept writing him in. They kept breaking <laughs> the back. And I was, honestly, you know, I, what, what fans of The Wire don't know about me is that I am primarily a, a comedy guy. Uh, so I, I found myself saying, really? People are buying this? Can we curse on this show? Yeah, totally. Fuck yeah. shit. Yeah, I was, I was like, people are buying this shit? They're buying me as this dramatic actor being very serious. And I was like, it was, it was hilarious to me. And then, I, of course, my career started to be mostly TV drama after that. And it was not, it was not the plan, but it's been fun. Do you think that that was based on Hollywood seeing you as a dramatic character from The Wire or the stuff that you learned from working on The Wire? I think it's just from, from the visibility. I mean, that, that was my most visible TV work uh, at that point, and it was uh, a very serious show. And then a hugely popular show. Oh, my God. We had no idea it was going to turn into that. What is that, what is that like when you, because I'm sure you've been on a number of shows where you're hoping it's going to be popular, and then it goes a season and stops. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it like when something gets just so popular like The Wire? You know, I think I might give you a surprising answer. Um, as actors, we have this tendency to keep looking at the place that we haven't reached yet and think, oh, if I could be there, that would be so awesome. So people look at me and they go, oh, he's on the wire. That must be so awesome. Now, I'm on the wire, right? But there are other much more prominent characters on the wire. I wasn't invited to the press events or to the, you know, I was a secondary, not even a secondary, tertiary character. So it wasn't like I was launched into stardom. I was proud to be on the show. My God, I was so proud to be a part of it at all. But um, uh, I wasn't one of the main guys. So there's, you know, wherever you're at, you can always look at somebody else and go, oh, gosh, I want to get there. Right. It wasn't like I was suddenly in the spotlight. I, you know, I'm not doing talk show circuits or anything like that. Right. But art- artistically, to be on not only a show that was visible and popular, but really, really good yeah. was, uh, you know, those two things don't always go together. Something that is what I call career sexy and at the same time artistically fulfilling. That's a, a rare combination. And that's to me what was so lucky about it was I, I loved every, every word I had to say on that show. The storytelling was so good. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell me about any milestones that happened in your, in the craft of acting in your comfort in, in your ability to act little things where I'll give you an example of one that I had and I'm, I am much, uh, much, uh, earlier in my career than you are. Mm-hmm. I've had a couple of small-ish roles on a couple of network shows, and that's about it. Um, but a huge milestone that happened for me was when uh, I was getting these auditions for small roles, and I wasn't getting callbacks. 
And the, my mindset was thinking, I, I, it's a small world. I need to show what I can do. I need to show this casting director what I can do, which of course is stupid and makes no it's, sense. It's a bad approach. I it's can a tell you. terrible approach. But that's, <laughs> I think that that's probably the way a lot of people think when they're first starting out. And so finally, I don't remember somebody told me or... Um, I, I understood that it was really about blending into the story and kind of disappearing when you have a few lines. Mm -hmm. You just want to just disappear into the story. And that could totally changed everything for me. And I started booking after that. You know, it's, it's, this is such a good question because my acting milestones, my craft milestones have been so quiet and small and powerful, you know, at the same time. You mentioned one. I mean, I, I, I totally relate to what you, what you say. People get the, these auditions for a couple of lines and they think I've got to show my whole range and all the interesting choices I can make. Uh, but the, when I teach, I, I always say, figure out the character's job in the story and do that. Like if you were watching it on TV, uh, the example I always give is if there's a waitress who comes by and says more coffee, you don't want the audience going, now that waitress seemed very troubled. I felt like there was something, <laughs> you know, she, or she had that weird accent, even though it takes place in the South, she sounded like she was from Budapest. It's like, these are not good choices, you right. know, but to fulfill the story. Um, one, in, terms of, in terms of acting and auditioning, one of the things that's been a quiet realization that's been golden to me is to do the job of the character not the job of the actor. In other words, rather than going in and trying to get a job or impress a casting director, I've got to go tell somebody that I'm going to be collecting on their loan tomorrow and they better pay up. I have to make sure they understand that. Or, I mean, the breakthrough, I was going in for a doctor and it was the driest material in the world. You know, the doctor is saying, well, we looked at your charts and these are, you know, and I just decided that if I don't tell the people in that room, the casting director, the writer, the director, they're not going to know. It was a huge, quiet little breakthrough. Huge. Because, first of all, it got me focused correctly so that I wasn't nervous because I'm not trying to get a job. I'm not an actor getting a job. I'm a doctor, and I've got to make sure that they understand what's, on the, what's in their chart. It's crucial, you know, or, you know, or whatever that role is. Sometimes your job is to find something out. You're a detective, and you have to say, look, this is what the evidence says. Your story doesn't line up. Now what do you say? And, and, and you plug into the job of the character. Yeah. It's one of those things that sounds so duh and so yeah. simple, but we abandon that a lot when we go to audition. I once had one of my first interviews on this podcast was with Ron Morosco, who is the uh, theater chair at LMU. Mm -hmm. And he said, he, I was talking to him uh, before my first audition for a, a Empire, it, for the Empire show on Fox. It was like a one, one day, sh one day um, job. And uh, I was playing a paramedic. And he said, play the occupation. Yeah. Play the occupation. Absolutely. Just be a paramedic and walk, in, walk into the audition and they should be able to look at you and think he's probably a paramedic on the side. He's, I love that advice. I love that advice. Uh, that's really the job. I mean, that, that, that's really the job of, of, of an actor is, is to, to take on the character's needs, the character's curiosity, the character's... Um, tasks and that that was a, again a, a, so quiet but it's but a really important breakthrough um another one is i you know i i coach a lot and a word that i use a lot is scrut scrutiny to really try to pull out answers from the other side of the conversation to look at the the reader and try to see if what you're saying is landing or understand what they're saying and really plug in with that 
because it's interesting. When you do that, it's like, fuck the part, fuck the audition. I've got to get through to this person. It's, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the milestone that really stands out to me, those two, those, those two things, because it's, uh, it really lifts you out of, I mean, obviously, you know, my specialty is auditioning. I, I teach a, a, a four-hour workshop on the psychology of auditioning because it was such a daunting part of my career early on. I, I was terrified and uh, awful at it, just terrible. And um, most of the knowledge that I've accumulated has to do with dealing with those demons, you know, the audition demons, because it's, uh, it's, I think, in some ways, the hardest part of being an actor. Well, that and the unemployment and the insecurity and all of that. But acting in the audition situation is what I really think I've learned the most about. Yeah. So this is a question that I ask to almost all my guests. And um, <clears throat> I think it's really important, especially because a lot of the people who listen to this are beginners. And I think that one thing that they deal with a lot is just general nerves, just yeah. general nerves before the audition. And they think they're prepared and they go in there and they see, you know, a hundred people sitting there or c people are coming and going and the people seem so confident and, um, and they just start to lose confidence and lose their nerves. Do you have any general advice for, I mean, besides just training, training, obviously, and experience, any, any quick, quick fixes? Well, uh, I, first of all, yeah, I mean, I, I have a four-hour workshop worth of quick fixes on that, but I, I want to share as much as we can fit in uh, because it's very much my specialty. But I, I, I would disagree with you in terms of training, preparing you for that, because auditioning, it, you know, actors are by nature insecure. Most of us don't think we're very good. And that's something that the outside world doesn't understand. They think we're really stuck up. Most of us don't think we're very good. As soon as we get into an audition situation, I don't know about you, first thing I do is cast somebody else in the waiting room. You know, it's tough that's not a, to. It's, it's hard not to. Well, because very few of us think that we're the, the best choice or even a very good choice. That's just the reality of it. Um, and so the, handling that psychologically is, uh, is tricky. I guess I'm going to go right to my favorite my favorite tip because it's the most counterintuitive thing that I teach and it's the mantra that I live by when I go on an audition uh, and it's one that's hard for people to digest but if you give it a little time it becomes your best friend and that's this you're not getting the fucking job I live by you're not getting the fucking job because you're really not getting it most of the time I mean the vast majority of times you're not going to get it and we got ourselves all worked up over something that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Every time I get a little bit nervous, I laugh at myself and I say, you're not getting the fucking job. What are you nervous about? It takes away so much of the nerves because I think what a lot of actors don't realize is this. We know how to act. We don't know how to book work. There is no magic trick. There's no magic way of behaving or thing that you wear or thing that you do or, you know, demeanor or outfit or take on the role that is magic. Somebody has to, has to look at all the different takes on a role and decide who is the choice. And that's the other thing. It's not pass-fail. It's somebody makes a choice. They're shopping just like you'd shop for a new TV set. They're going to pick, pick a TV set. They're going to make their best guess at which one's going to be the best for them, and that's going to be it. Uh, and so we get ourselves in this crazy state of trying to figure out what's the thing that's going to make them impressed and make them like us and make them hire us. And there's no answer there. That is a losing, it's the wrong path, really is. 
because none of us knows how to book a job. If you look back at the times that you have booked a job, you don't know why they picked you. They just picked you. Right. I mean, have you ever had that, that thing where you book something and you go, you're kidding? All the time. All the time. Me too. Yeah. I've had really, I mean, I've had times that my agent calls and says, you booked it. I'm like, well, that's a mistake. I was terrible. Yeah. It was a, they, they're making a very bad mistake, right? Right. Because it's, it's, it's not magical. It's, it's completely subjective. It's not logical or linear or fair or anything. It just is chaotic. So all we can do is show up and enjoy that moment of getting to be an actor. Mm-hmm. This is why I love the idea of what I talked about before, reinvesting in the acting part and not the auditioning part, the acting part of playing this character. That's what we love doing, right? So you go and you do what you know how to do in front of people. A lot of the nerves come from trying to solve an unsolvable mystery, which is what does the person I've never met on the side of this closed door, on the other side of this closed door, want from me? Mm-hmm. If that was a game show, you'd be like, what? <laughs> you know, it's like a game show where it's like, okay, guess what the person on the other side of the door wants you to do? That's crazy. Yeah. And we put ourselves through this insane, insane, really unfair mental game of, uh, of gymnastics that you can't win. And so I live by, you're not getting the fucking job. Mm-hmm. Because when I really remind myself that I'm not getting it, then I go, okay, you know what? I'm just going to play the role the way I want it to. I'm not getting it. So I'm going to go, and I'm only going to perform this part once. I'm only going to play it once. I don't want to miss the opportunity to do what an actor does, really make some character choices and enjoy the acting part, you know? Uh, about a week ago, I, I read for a, a really great play, and I didn't get it. I had such a good time doing the audition, though, because I really did the acting work. It was for um, Arthur Miller's All My Sons. I mean, you hardly ever get to do great material like that. And so my philosophy is, I'm going to be in that room for about three minutes. I don't want to miss doing Arthur Miller. Yeah. And I, I don't want to get lost in trying to please a director or get a job. So instead, I went in and I, pl- I, did, I played some Arthur Miller. And it was really satisfying. I don't, didn't care if I got it or not. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's, that's one of the big things for me that with, with dealing with nerves. Uh, and the other big thing that I teach that is also very different from how most people approach auditioning is uh, my golden rule, which is take care of them and never ask them to take care of you. And most of us, most of us think of an audition as like going to see The Wizard of Oz. You know, that's the person with all the power, and I'm going to come supplicate and, you know, bring my hopes and dreams of being an actor. But it's the opposite. It's like you're the dentist, and that's your patient. And they're like, I don't know what's going on with my teeth. And you're like, well, here's one possibility. Right. Or or they're like somebody who's, um, they're shopping for, you know, shopping for carpet. And you're like, okay, I'm a carpet salesman. Here's, here's the kind of carpet I carry. And, if, you know, and, and they'll see some other carpet salesman, and they'll make up their mind. But we think we, we mostly go to auditions hoping that somebody on the other side is going to make us feel good. And that's not why they rented the space. That's not why they rented the audition space and bought the, rented the office. They did that so they could cast their projects. You know, mm-hmm. I think part of my job is to put them at ease and say, look, you know, without saying it you know, out loud, I want my demeanor to say, look, I'm a professional. I do this all the time. I don't need anything. You relax. Take a look. <laughs> you know, and, and I hope that that helps you with your casting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to give you one good choice, and if not, we'll see each other another time. As opposed to coming in needy because it's so unappealing, you know. That I makes mean, so much sense. You know, directors and casting directors 
have anxieties of their own. You know, when they're casting, they, they need to be taken care of. They've got, you know, they have bosses. They want to impress their bosses. There's probably going to be an argument between the writer and the producer and the director and the network about who's the right choice. And they don't need our anxieties on top of that. Right. They, don't, they don't need our, our, our need for success or fulfillment or recognition or acknowledgement on top of that. Mm-hmm. So I always think, oh, these poor people, they're so stressed. Let me see if I can take that down a little. I'm not going to ask for anything. I'm going to say, all right, look, it's, it's like this. If I was going to play the part, this is how I would do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they need to cast the role, and they want you to be the best. And um, if you're nervous and trying to please them, and it's just going to come off stilted, and and, and it's, it's not going to work. And it, and it can be creepy too. You yeah, know? a lot. You know, a lot of young actors get very gushy, like they're meeting royalty. Right. <laughs> I, think, I think I think it's sort of an equal status thing that says, "Look, you've got value. I've got value." Yeah. You know, you have your stuff. I have my stuff. I mean, this is my my approach with casting directors is. You know, this is a, a professional who does a good job at what they do, and I'm a professional who does a good job at I, what I do. Right. And we're meeting to see if we'll work together. Yeah. So do you like auditioning? Now I do. Yeah. Yes. I, I, now I really do. Yeah. But, boy, I didn't when I first started out. It was horrific. I had such a hard time presenting myself in any, in any way, you know, and I never worked. <laughs> you know? And then what, was there a specific turning point, or did you just start to book stuff and then kind of took faith in the fact that, okay, well, I'm doing something right and just kind of built on itself over time? I think both of those, it was like sort of parallel train tracks, what you just said. Um, I, I, I started to work, which made me think that I might not completely suck, <laughs> you know? Right. But also I'm very analytical. So I started to say, okay, what are you, what are you thinking about at this moment and this moment and this moment? What, where is it going off track for you? Which I think is really important uh, as opposed to just saying, oh, well, you know, auditioning is nerve-wracking and it's impossible and I'm bad at it. To so say, okay, okay, at what point does it get nerve-wracking? Yeah, I said to a group of students, um, what are we nervous about? Like, what's the thing? What's the danger? Mm-hmm. And they had to really ponder that. What is it? Somebody won't like us? Well, that, that's going to sometimes happen. So we're not going to get the job? Well, that, you're not going to get the fucking job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, a lot of us are terrified of some things that are not important, like blowing lines. Right. It's not the end of the world. We have this mythology that if we go up on words, they're going to hate us and never want to see us again. I, I encourage everybody to look up Aaron Paul's audition video for Breaking Bad, where he screws up lines like crazy. Mm-hmm. Didn't hurt him any. Mm-hmm. I, had a, I had a very uh, <clears throat> high-profile casting director in Chicago. Uh, she does all the TV and film that comes through Chicago pretty much. Uh, she said to me, don't ever worry about flubbing your lines because the person before you did it and the person after you is going to do it. We don't care. Nobody cares. You know, I had my first directing experience a couple of years ago, uh, which was so much fun. I directed a play. I never knew I was going to enjoy it so much. But being on the other side of casting was fascinating. I, I really did not care if somebody blew a line. I didn't care if they had it memorized. I didn't care. I was just looking at the person's essence you know, what their take was on the role, that's all. And, and there were no failures. There were, there were just choices that weren't the ones I wanted to make. I, I, was, I, I just went, okay, that guy's not what I had in mind for that part. And that's, that's as deep as it went. There was not one person that I went, oh, that person's terrible, big fail, you know? Right. Not one. So, Michael, what, what is the single best piece of advice you would give someone who's currently trying to make 
acting his or her lifetime career? I'll probably give like six pieces of advice. Okay, go for it. Um, one is, I would advise anybody who's entering our profession to make sure that they have a, a solid base, meaning uh, a, a good day job that they can live with. Uh, if you're, you're probably going to have a roommate, have a roommate you can live with. Don't think of it as temporary. Think of it as permanent because almost nobody makes a living in the business, so you have to have a solid base. Uh, I, I've known people who say, well, I'm not going to get a day job because I have to be available for all the things that are going to come my way, and that, that doesn't happen. I, I, well, I shouldn't say it doesn't happen, but I mean, they, they, they end up relying on, the, on acting to make a living, which is very foolish, and it puts a lot of stress on the auditions. Because they're like, I need this job to pay my bills. And anytime I hear somebody say that, I think that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Another thing that I think is really important that I don't think actors talk about enough is you've got to uh, look to your own mental and emotional health. This is not a business that feeds stability, mental stability. And I, I want to be frank about this. A lot of us have psychological issues or family issues, or this is just our, our damaged tribe of actors. I think that a lot of us are, are pretty troubled. I am estranged from my family because they were really abusive, and I'm on antidepressants. Um, and I, I, we don't talk about these things a lot, but it took me a long time to figure out that I needed antidepressants, and I'm a much healthier actor, better, to do my, better able to do my job, better able to audition, better able to deal with people, because I'm on, on medication that I need it. I'm not saying everybody needs antidepressants. That's absolutely not my point. My point is you have to take responsibility for, for knowing yourself and, uh, and, and taking care of yourself. And if you need to be in church or therapy or in 12 steps or build your support base of friends or have a pet or whatever you need to be really mentally, mentally healthy, you have to not neglect that. Because again, if we think that the right number of jobs or the right agent is going to make us have good self-esteem and feel good, we're deluded. Mm -hmm. And I'm unusually blunt about that just because I think, I think we don't talk about it enough. Um, the next piece of advice, I alluded to this earlier. I think actors often look to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And we forget to just relish where we are. If you're at a point in your career where you don't have an agent, then that's where you're at. That means do student films, do the plays you can audition for, get into an acting class, go, go someplace where you can have good actor camaraderie, and do what's accessible to you. And don't stress over what's not. Um, I'm not saying you don't pursue the next thing, but you don't look to the next thing for your fulfillment. Because the thing is that you could kick that ball down the field the rest of your life. Again, I know that people look at me and they're like, oh, he has an enviable career. And I do, and I'm very grateful for it. But I'm, I'm not a name actor. I'm not, you know, I'm not doing a bunch of serious regulars. I still haven't done any films. I still haven't been on Broadway. So I could keep looking at all of those things. I could keep, keep going, I'm not fulfilled. But in, I've trained myself to be very fulfilled. I'm, I'm incredibly happy that I could get hired at all. You know? And I think it's very important to, to, to be where you are and do what's accessible to you and find what's joyous and wonderful about that and what's fulfilling about it. Does this make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Because otherwise you can, really, you can really eat yourself up inside for the rest of your career. I, um, after I had booked my recurring, I had a recurring role in Ch Chicago Fire this year, or last year, at the end of last year. And I think I had finished filming, but I, they hadn't even aired yet. And I called my, um, my acting coach 
and I said, basically, I've booked the jobs and I've booked the TV shows in Chicago. What do I do now? Sort of thing. And he tore me apart. And he was like, you're missing it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. He was That's so exactly right. right. He was so, he was so right. right. Yeah. Listen, you know, the same thing applies to auditioning. One of, one of, one of my biggest moments, uh, my breakthroughs was I had, a, I had an audition for the producers, you know, and I, I, I thought, I'm going to be in the room with Mel Brooks. I don't want to miss how cool that is. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to get myself all worked up and nervous. And I certainly don't want to think about booking it because I want to be right in that moment. Yeah. And when you get that right, you can be, you know, in the middle of an audition, uh, you know, or in the middle of a job and go, this is neat. This is so neat. Look at where I am right now. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's a very hard thing to do, but it's a discipline to start early. We have so few opportunities to do what we do. So if you have a minute to do a scene in an acting class, relish it. Don't think about what it's going to lead to. Relish that moment of people stopping to watch you do your thing. I really mean that, you know. Obviously, I've been really fortunate. You know, I make a living at this and I play some really cool parts and I, I'm really grateful. But I have known actors in my position who've ruined it by wishing that it was more. Yeah. You know? Happiness is never going to be on the other side of an accomplishment. Exactly. Exactly. It, it, you know, it's just a great life thing. Yeah. So, wow, look at, we, look at where I am right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that applies even to the struggle. Here's the thing. I had a real epiphany. I, I remember very specifically that it was at the age of 23. I, I had no professional credits, no nothing. I knew I wanted to be an actor. And I went, you know, your chances of, of any kind of success are almost zero, razor thin. So do I still sign on for the life of an actor? And I went, yes. I, thought, I decided if all I ever do is pursue it and never have any success at all, I want, to, I want the life of an actor. I decided to be an actor. And that means insecurity and that means unpredictability and unfairness and everything else. And I'm so glad I did. A lot of people chickened out on that decision. So when I have a day where I'm like, I hop on the subway because I've got to go read a scene for a casting director, I'm like, that already is a good day. Because I'm like, I get to put on my actor hat. And, and I really, I know this sounds a little bit like, you know, gooey, but I really have to live like that to keep my sanity. Because if the only satisfactory thing is booking jobs, I mean, we, how often do we book jobs? We don't. Hardly ever do, yeah. You know, so like you just had a great audition for a series regular. Like that's a cool day. Yeah, that's the world you want to be in. Yeah, right? yeah. You know, so that's that's sort of how I try to approach it. And I I I, I want to say this to your listeners that really, boy, that can help give you peace of mind, so that you're not always driving yourself crazy. Just to be glad that you picked this crazy life and that you're even pursuing it is cool. To register for Michael's workshop, go to auditionpsych101.com and sign up for his mailing list so he can notify you when he's coming to your city. If you like this podcast, please go to iTunes and give me a rating and review. If you have a question you'd like Michael or myself to answer on an upcoming episode, call the Action Podcast voicemail at 206-424-9368. I'm Lee Foster. Thank you for listening.